tuning in to another edition of the Business Fun Podcast. My guest today is Lynn Whitbeck, and we are talking about sales, sales, and more sales. Uh, it was a really great conversation. There's a lot of cool stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, but first, uh, I have reinvented the Dave Wakeman website. If you haven't had a chance to go to DaveWakeman.com, why don't you go check it out? There is... Um, whole new look to it, a whole new feel to it. There's a uh, new stuff there. It's great. And as a way to promote the new website, I am going to make a special offer to you business of fun listeners by offering uh, people 30 days of free email coaching. So we set a goal, some objectives, uh, and I coach you just like I coach people all over the world and including my youth soccer team. So send me an email, David, DaveWakeman.com, uh, put Email coaching in the subject line or tell me something you like about the website. Um, it will get you going on that. Uh, make sure you check out my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection, bookingprotect.com. We have some really cool things that we're working on, including some uh, webinars and live classes, uh, some new worksheets, all kinds of cool things. Uh, as I've mentioned a couple times here and in the Talking Tickets newsletter, uh, the uptake on refund protection has probably doubled since the pandemic began. And that shows that people are looking to have that protection, that peace of mind from that refund, uh, refund protection provides. So make sure you check out Booking Protect and find out how they can help you and your customers uh, come back from the pandemic. Make sure or let me know, actually, forget this. Don't go. You got to be there. Ticket Summit, TicketSummit.com. I'll be speaking at Ticket Summit. Uh, doing a great panel with a bunch of people on pricing and how to stop the race to the bottom. Uh, Ticketsummit.com. It's in Las Vegas on the 15th, 16th, and 17th of August. Uh, get your tickets. Let me know you're going to be there. Let's hook up. It's going to be great. Uh, if you haven't already had a chance to get my NPS worksheet that I put together with my friends at Eventelect, send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com, and get the NPS worksheet. I was chatting with Patrick Ryan a few months back, and he was mentioned how I was talking about net promoter score and the value of research into your market to create new value. If you've listened to the Patrick Ryan episode of the podcast, you know that that was pretty much the bulk of our conversation was finding value, creating new value, and looking for ways to develop value. So Patrick said, we should create this thing and we should promote net promoter score. So that's what we've done. We pulled together a worksheet that teaches you what net promoter score is. It teaches you how to survey your market and it tells you a little bit about why the score matters and how to put it in context. Um, it goes without saying that uh, the 77 that Eventelect has is amazing, right? Anything over zero is good. Anything over uh, 20 is pretty great. Anything over 50 is outstanding. Um, for the Talking Tickets newsletter, I, I have 67. Uh, you know, and they, they're 10 points beyond me. It just shows, you know, how valuable people find working with Eventelect. It finds how valuable people find the Talking Tickets newsletter. Um, you can find out a lot, too, because there's also... Um, you know, feedback you can get. You can ask a couple of different questions to add to the net promoter score question to get you some real quantitative and qualitative uh, feedback. It's great. Send me an email, get the worksheet. Uh, make sure you check out my friends at ActivityStream, activitystream.com. The new Activate email marketing tool is fantastic. Okay. Uh, it's going to give you a chance to reconnect with your audiences, use the data to re engage your market, uh, and it's going to hopefully help you create new opportunities uh, coming through the pandemic. Uh, this middle age of the pandemic, I guess, is how people are referring to it now. So check them out, activitystream.com. Now back to Lynn. So Lynn Whitbeck is great, right? So we had a really great time. She's based in Washington State, uh, where I was born. Um, I was looking for somebody who could really talk to me about the sales environment now. You know, because... Uh, a lot of times we get some of the same voices around sales and some of the same ideas about sales. So I was looking for something entirely different. So Lynn, we talk about the sales environment now and what it really looks like. We talk about how the journey and the sales journey has evolved and changed. We talk about um, how to accelerate your sales process now. We talk about the, the front and back of prospecting and closing. Uh, we talk about the B2B sales environment, how it differs from the B2C sales environment. We talk about uh, planning and strategy and being more thoughtful in your sales process. We talk about, you know, how to manage activities and how to 
Um, you know, her idea of four strands. We talk about decision makers, uh, the human environment. We talk about, you know, customer why. We talk about getting to a deeper level, engage with your, with your prospects. Um, and we talk about how to take action immediately on ideas. So this is a really great conversation. Len was a lot of fun to talk to. There is going to be a companion podcast coming out soon where I should go on her podcast. You know, so check this out and let me know what you think. But without anything else from me, here's my conversation with Lynn Whitbeck on The Business of Fun. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to welcome Lynn Whitbeck to The Business of Fun podcast. Lynn, how are you? I am doing so great today, and I am so excited to be here. This We've been having a really fun conversation, Dave, and I am just thrilled, thrilled. Uh, you're you're overselling me, Lynn. You're overselling yeah. me here. You're like, <laughs> you got to at least let me tell one bad joke before you start laughing. I mean, this is like, the, this is setting the people up for a bad experience here. <laughs> so, and no, thank no, you so much. This is going to be a fun podcast, so you better be ready. The, I, people say I give good podcasts, so I'm going to allow that as, a, a, as an endorsement from the world. So, um, hopefully, I'm going to continue my streak. Um, and this is going to be fun because you have a company called Future Forward Sales. And it's interesting because I have been doing a survey about the sales environment, specifically right now for sports business people in the States, because that's where I'm able to get my best data right now. And But you touch a lot of corporate people, and so do I. I have a good relationship with a lot of business to business and corporate buyers. So I I'm excited to have you on to talk about sales now and some of the ideas that you offer because I think they're they're really a they're fun because we were laughing and goofing, um, but b I think they're going to be really helpful to people right now. Um, so let me start out by asking you just a really like the most obvious and basic question and one that probably I'm glad you're on the other side of the screen so you don't throw anything at me is but what does the sales environment look like right now for people because. I hear this thing about, oh, demand coming back like it's nobody's business. Um, things are flying off the shelf. Everything's like puppies and rainbows. Um, but when I poke people and dig people deeper, that's not necessarily the case. You know, there it, for some people, it's up and down. For some people, this demand thing is not there. You know, it's a little all over the board. From your position, working with people all over the place, um, what does demand look like? What's the sales environment like right now? You know, it's actually very industry specific, um, product and service specific, because for a lot of the B2B, um, and I work in that B2B world, but some of the B2B, they'll sell to somebody who then sells to the consumer, right? Or is manufacturing product that eventually gets to the consumer. Um, they, they tend to be doing better. Um, whereas the, you know, that true B2B environment, um, it's, there's still hesitancy, um, for businesses who've taken a real blow and they're just, they're being very cautious. They're, they're trying to recover. And um, it's uh, just not, <laughs> it's not puppies and rainbows. So it is definitely, it dep- it's dependent upon, you know, the industry, your specific product or service, um, where, you know, that end client and customer ends up being uh, as to uh, what's going on in your world right now. And when you when you talk to people, have you been surprised by any of the feedback that you're getting from people about what they're dealing with right now? Uh, you know, because I think it's tough to know, right? Because things are really just starting to open up right now. How people have really been changed or how like the business environment has really changed or really just how anything has changed because of the pandemic, because I'm certain that things have changed. I, I, I frankly just don't know what they are, to be honest. Yeah, I think one of the, the the most interesting things that I come up with is people just, you know, it's just like how somehow they'll flip a switch and it'll just go back to the way it was. Well, it never is. I mean, I think everybody needs to wake up and smell the coffee grounds. That is not going to happen. Um, we've gone through a massive change and shift and we will never go. It's going to be different. And that is the same throughout history. OK, we just things change. Whatever you are in sales, whatever worked for you yesterday, last year, last month, I mean, I'm mixing up all my timetables here, but it doesn't matter because it changes constantly on us. You know, we are in industries that are constantly evolving. There are new tools that are being developed. Uh, Customers 
have gotten used to certain tactics or strategies and they just are a turnoff. I mean, they've evolved. So the one thing that I would recommend is you have just got to get out there and embrace a growth mindset. Grab Carol Daywick's book. I mean, it's sort of like the book on growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Read it, okay? And you've got to start saying, start taking the bricks off of the walls that you've built up because we've been, we build walls about the things that we can or can't do. Mm-hmm. Or, well, this is the way it's always been done. Well, you know what? It's time. We got to take that rule book and we just need to shred it. And, you know, because the customer journey in every single industry has changed. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most important things is that through this last year um, that I was advocating, it was an incredible opportunity to change, to evolve, to look at what you were doing and how you were doing it and start laying the groundwork so that you could get out in front and be ready. Uh, for not only to maintain and uh, actually find spots of business right then and there. Uh, One of my customers who was completely on-site, hands-on service, we were able to transition and provide business for them in a virtual environment so that they could survive. They could continue to survive. Now they're back on the floor, right? But they've also got this other offering now. They've expanded their business. And it's become part of the portfolio that they offer. So one of the most important things is um, really taking a look at what's going on in your customer journey. Every minute that you spend planning is going to pay back huge dividends in your sales cycle improvement and your close, uh, your win to, to, you know, win to loss ratio, right? You're going to be able to be so much more effective and that anytime you do that, whether it's planning for a big presentation, you know, planning for how you're going to implement a product or service, that is golden. It's uh, just like an absolute blue chip return on your investment. If we stop talking right now, that would be totally make whatever's time spent <laughs> people listening to this podcast, it would make it valuable for them. Um, but there's a lot for me to unpack here, so you're going to have to bear with me. Um, the first thing, though, is that the the idea about going back to normal. And in 2008, 2009, 2010, when we were dealing with the financial crash, I heard the same thing. Oh, if we can just get back to normal. My question to that is always like, oh, how good was normal to begin with? Because for yeah. a lot of these places, you know, the normal that they were dealing with was fairly not great <laughs> you know, to begin with. You know, and, and to me, it's interesting trying to get people to shift their mindset, right? Like I, I have a copy of the book, Mindset's over on my, yeah. my bookshelf. You see the whole, the, the, I'm virtue signaling over my shoulder. Nobody can see it, but there's a huge bookshelf behind me. Um, how do you help people break down these walls and see this, the, ne- the necessity of change, right? Because a little backstory that you won't, this will be the first time you've heard the story. People who regularly listen will hit, have heard this and go, oh, Dave's going to talk about Australia again. But I went to Australia before the, in the before times, and the people who invited me, they wanted me to talk about change. And it's because I tell the story about when I was a kid in Miami uh, in high school, um, Pat Riley became head coach of the Miami Heat, and he talked about change. And he said, change is the, the most, um, the only thing is certain in life is change. Yeah. And when change <laughs> rears her beautiful face, you embrace her because change is all you have. Uh, but people latch on to like what, how things were. I know how I teach it. I want to hear how you teach people to break down that mindset because it is, and it, 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 it can set you back. Right. Um, you know, cause I had to break it down for myself as I'm sure like anybody who understands how to manage change has, because it is very hard to embrace change, but you, you have no choice. It's like either you can embrace it or stick your head in the sand. Yeah. But that's the beautiful thing. You do have the power of choice. Every one of us has the power of choice and you can choose to go down a new path, right? You can choose a new road. Uh, you can get off the big highway and take, uh, take get off the interstate state and take a highway uh, and see what there is to see. So um, I am, I just passionately believe that we have a responsibility also to choose. And no matter what the situation is, um, there we have that that power is in within us to to control. And that's one of the. Gro- 
beautiful things about a growth mindset. So through our strategic development program, that's one of the things that we work on. We've actually developed a whole bunch of exercises and that no matter how much the guys might go, oh my gosh, I don't need to do this touchy feely crap. It's like, uh, uh-uh. no, you really do. Because the whole point is if you get one thing out of it and you can start to look at a situation differently, it, it just, it's going to impact the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it could impact the situation that you're going through with your teenage kids. It could impact, uh, you know, uh, how you're viewing the situation with, uh, you know, whatever it is going on at work uh, with a client, with an internal peer, mm-hmm. how you look at what is going on in, with yourself and the, and that gives you that empowerment. Like, you know, I, I'm going to do something different and it's not going to be a switch. I'm not going to flip a switch, but I'm going to start working at it. And I'm going to take the steps to start working at it. So I want everybody to think back. Remember when you're learning how to ride a bike? Uh, you know, you got you got a tricycle and then the training wheels and then the bicycle. And you probably flipped off it a whole bunch of time. Lots of skin, knees, elbows, maybe a conk on the head. But you know what? You just kept getting back on there. And you sort of went, well, you know, that didn't work. You know, that this resilience and the adaptability and the problem solving. And then you went, okay. This works. And why did you keep doing it? Because suddenly you had the power to be on that bicycle and zooming around your whole neighborhood to see your friends. And you could be going to the park. You could go to the 7-Eleven, whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about a growth mindset. I want everybody to think right now that you can make these changes. Uh, But first you got to see what it is, you know, and you got to really do the introspection about yourself so that you can start on it because it's not going to happen overnight. It's like everything else in life. It takes hard work. Did you graduate from college just because you said, oh, I want to graduate from college? I don't know about you, but I spent a hell of a lot of long nights. I, you know, the 2 a.m. Denny things with my friends. You I know, never thought I was getting something. done. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, closing a huge sale that could take years to sell a huge program sale, I mean, multi-million dollar deals, they didn't happen overnight. They -hmm. took a lot of work, you know? And then even when I closed the sale, I had to implement it, okay? So that's the great thing about growth mindset. It's just like everything else that you've accomplished. It's something new to tackle. It's your new Mount Everest. So for everybody out there, embrace your power of choice and get that book and get it started. Yeah, it, what I what I enjoyed about the answer you just gave to is I um, it's, I'm not sure exactly how many episodes ago it was that I did this conversation, but Mark Hirschberg was on a couple weeks ago and he wrote a book called The Career Toolkit. And during yes. when he was on, we talked about the power of negotiation and how like a one percent increase in your original starting salary uh, has all these knock on effects, right? Like over the course of your career, it's the same thing, right? It's like take the time, understand where you are. And then like, make sure that you kind of understand how you're changing over time. Because a lot of times what we do is we forget to note or to notice where we, where we've gotten to. And it can feel very frustrated because then you don't like look back and see all this change. And so that slows down the change process as well. But these little small steps, they, they, um, you know, they do shift you, right? It's yeah. the terrible analogy that people use about an airplane, right? And like a one degree change in air, if you take off from San Francisco, instead of DC ends up in Atlanta or something, right? It, it is, <laughs> it's true, but it's it's a very tired way of talking about it. Um, but the, that leads me though to asking you about this, this other idea that I had, which you talked about was the customer journey has changed. So my, I, can't, I can't even read my own handwriting where I make notes now. <laughs> Uh, it, the journey, ha- the customer journey has changed. And one of the things I was talk- talking about with people before, and it's only become more obvious now, is that the customer journey is a lot longer. All the touch points that people need to make a, a purchase or a sale, it's way, way longer and more in-depth than people think of. And more importantly... I think is that people underestimate the power of small touches and like, you know, those like little personal things. They think it's like the big thing, like, oh, it's like price or it's like the way we open the relationship or, you know, all these big events when it's a lot of the small stuff, right? It's the follow-up, it's the engagement, it's the consistency. Um, What have you seen as far as the journey changing, the length of the journey 
and um, you know what can you share with us to like help us maybe even accelerate the sales process or understand how to manage the sales process later because if you, if most of the people listening are a little bit like me I get lost in the journey a lot of times and I don't know where I'm at so you know I, I'm really asking you for me yeah. so thank you well, yes yeah, so advance. We have- <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have a process that we call SAMI, and it's to uh, understand your strands, your activities, the methodologies, and the influences, and then you map the customer journey across four phases. And the strands are where you've got your customer, the relationship, and then the sales. So what sales stage are you at? You know, where's the customer at within that journey? And where um, is that relationship at in that journey? Right. And so, you know, those things completely align. Those are the four strands. And we really break it down into four phases. So you have your awareness, you have consideration, you have decision, and then you have champion. And so when you look at your journey and you really start to map it out, one of the most important things is that you are going to see areas that, yeah, sure, the journey can be super long because you're not answering their customer why. If you are not answering their customer why, you could make a meal out of this. So you want to be as effective as possible. And to shorten your sales cycle, the first thing you need to be doing is, as you've mapped out your customer journey, be looking at, are we answering their customer why? What is the customer why? And at each one of those stages, the customer why changes. The customer why is unique based on the industry of the customer. Because many of us sell... Um, Cross industry. We sell across um, different types of roles who are the decision makers. At the end of the day, they're all people. They're all people. And the, and you've got to encount, take into account that human environment. You know, so what do they want, need, or lack? You know, how is it going to benefit them so they can? Because what you're really selling is so they can. So they can do what? So they can do what? If you don't understand that, and you haven't really drilled into that, and then everything within the journey isn't feeding that, and then how that also changes, and selling big programs these days. I mean, it's not just a single, you've got a lot of stakeholders who at any point can be the blockers, right? (laughs) They're the ones that are keeping you away from that quarterback. So you gotta be very aware of that. Um, And you've gotta also be answering their why, so they're on board. And so that, that also closes the sale faster. So you've got to get out of your own way and really think if you are not boots on the ground, thinking like the customer and following them through all of those phases, your sales cycle can be torturously long. You're going to be losing sales. Um, You're going to be selling at a lower profit value Mm -hmm. because you have never truly just nailed it. And that's that, you know, the thing is, is that we're here as salespeople to be of service, to deliver value. And if we aren't doing that in our customer's view, in their paradigm, we're not living in that prism, we are, well, I'm sorry, but you're just sort of screwed, okay? <laughs> because you're gonna be throwing a heck of a lot of spaghetti at the wall and very little of it's gonna be gonna be sticking. So there's a lot of, there's a much better way to do this. And the first thing we have to do is that invest that time, I mean, you know, we have like a six hour workshop to go through that SAMI process. Um, that's, it's a, you know, you think six hours and it's like, okay, but what do you get afterwards? It's like, holy moly, what you get afterwards. And when you go through that and then you start the rest of the process, you can start, everything comes in line. You know, what's our cust- you know, our ideal client avatar. Now that we've done this, we can sort of start narrowing. What are the, those top five questions that they don't answer yes to they go into the relationship bucket, they go into a drip campaign, you know, and they remain a connection and you still want to deliver them value, but that they're not going to be the one that you're investing time and energy in. Right. Yes. You know, so um, I mean, there's just so many different, it's just the planning. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to, no, you don't do this. You're, wa- you're wasting your time, your money, you know, your, your health from the stress of it all. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you, you like totally hit on some very popular Dave topics here. Um, Cause one, and one thing that it seems to lace what you were talking about, but you didn't use the word specifically. And so I'm going to ask you about this though, because a lot of the people that I'm dealing with and that listen to the podcast are going to be um, selling B2B 
in sports tickets, so like inter- entertainment package, sponsorships, uh, you know, suites, uh, luxury, you know, you know, seats, whatever. Um, I want to teach people though that they understand that it doesn't matter who you're selling to or what their capacity is. Like you said, they're human. But then the thing is, is always an emotional sale. Every sale is emotional. And understanding, like you said, the why the person's going to want to buy this thing is so important because you have to be able to hit that emotional button for them. Because if they if you if they don't connect emotionally, they're not going to buy the thing, right? Because if you're selling a ticket or a box, you're not really selling about the game because the game, most of the time, people aren't necessarily paying attention to it that much once they're in the box. It's about the relationships. It's the connections. It's the um, ability to make a sale or connect with a partner in a way that you wouldn't otherwise, right? Yeah. Um, that was a monologue for me, but I guess I want to understand from your point of view, you know, am I wrong, A, uh, and B, you know, can you, um, if I am right, which I'm assuming I am, <laughs> um, you know, I can't, how do you teach people about, like, remembering about the emotional connection, right? You know, yeah. you, you know, go a little deeper there. Yeah, so... That goes into the whole customer why, which is a completely different part that, that you know, is of our uh, process. Um, there's an entire, you know, piece on that. And that, that your emotions, the motivations, um, that is so important to capture into that. Um, how can you capture their five senses? Um, and certainly in the scenario that you created, wow, you can really create that emotional connection with the memory. Because emotions create memories. And so selling a box and um, to, you know, a big corporate client where then they can bring their clients in for these mm-hmm. events, they are able to create a, a situation where they can create a memory, a really positive, powerful memory by tapping into those five senses in a way that they really you can't. Um, in other situations and in everyday sales. So without doing it in a box, you can still do this. Um, one of the techniques that I've used um, for years, um, I go into a, a meeting with a whole bunch of people and they all get handed one of the small Play-Dohs and they get a, a Play-Doh and I actually have put a little custom belly brand, uh, belly b- uh, band on it. Uh, and I make them take the Play-Doh out because they ha- they can feel it. They can smell it. Everybody remembers, almost everybody remembers Play-Doh from when they're kids. That's very distinct. Mm -hmm. And then we can also sit there, and it's a growth mindset, how we can all mold it and shape it differently. The colors are different. We can create different things. We can pull it apart. Uh, We can, uh, you know, it's like you can have everybody, okay, I want everybody to make a cat, you know, and they all look different, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody make, people make like four cats, one big cat, you know, a tiger, versus a Persian, you know, but the beautiful thing is that, first of all, they are so engaged with this, that, that they're doing something and you're translating it into meaning. That's what this program is going to do for you. This program is going to allow you to create this, configure it for your customers, you know, whether internal or external. So this Play-Doh ties in a whole bunch of senses and it's creating a memory and and of course, at the end, there's always somebody who's got kids who wants all the Play-Doh. So you never have to take it back with you. <laughs> um, but it's, it really gets everybody to put down their damn phones <gasps> and tune in and connect right then and there. And you have grabbed them. You've gripped them. So Play-Doh is a great way. I've actually got a whole article about using Play-Doh. But uh, so, you know, you don't have to have a box to be able to create a connection that in, engages the different senses. Um, and it just, it has to make sense to the customer, okay? It has to make sense to the customer. And that's a really common thing of like bringing the coffee and uh, uh, some kind of nosh, you know, to the meeting, you know? Uh, once again, it's, it's you know, they're sort of involving their senses, but mm-hmm. it's not as effective, you know, right? So right. there's different ways that you can do that. And another way that if you're gonna bring in some kind of, um, uh, food. Uh, one of the things that I would also recommend, because this is something I've done, uh, is uh, you bring in water, um, beautiful fresh bottled water um, that are, but they're in the jugs, and you everybody gets. Then there's fruits and herbs that they get to throw into their their glass, 
So I've got one right here, you can see. Um, but they, and you can actually give away a promotional item that you've purchased that is very hardly even branded. There's just, it's so subtle. And then what they can do is that they can make their own water. And it's also that experience of choosing like, well, what, you know, do I want strawberry and basil? Uh, do I want some jalapeno and orange, you know, or lime? I mean, what do I want to put in this water? Um, and then you just, you have a couple of different choices. They, they throw it all in. And I think this, of course, is back when we're all in person. Um, and there are ways that you can do this also virtually people, lots of ways. I do the Play-Doh virtually. I just ship it to people uh, for a specific session that we work on. Um, but the whole idea is that you are getting them engaged. It's it's new. It's fresh. Uh, it still makes sense. They got to have water so they can all sit through the, you know, whatever, how long the presentation is and be interactive in it. Uh, and it's and it sort of sets you apart right then and there, you know, so. Uh, I want everybody to, that's one of the great things about a growth mindset. It really helps you think outside the box. The, the, uh, <laughs> the other thing though, that like sticks out to me is when you, especially when you, you have the Play-Doh, but then you also have like the water example, is that an important idea for people to understand is to recognize that everyone experiences things differently. Yep. And so by using the Play-Doh or using the water, you're allowing people to lead you to what their experience want, should look like for them, right? And one of the, again, one of the lessons that I try to teach, and you know, most of the stuff I'm talking about is marketing and strategy as much as it ever is about sales, is that you're not your market, right? You aren't the customer. And as soon as you work in an organization, um, you become unable to see your product or service like a customer. And so yeah. you have to train yourself to be able to take a step back and let them lead you to where they're there to the well, really it was like the magic door that will open the the magic key that'll open the door to the sale and you know and that's why i like that ex those examples you gave because it highlights that it's the need to like put your ego aside and be sort of a partner in creating value right because yeah yeah you have these beautiful um you know opportunities and these beautiful ways for people to connect with other people don't try to force feed it though, you know, let somebody show you what they find valuable because as a marketer, the research I've done so, tells me that most of the time you make more money because you mentioned profit earlier, right? Because you're, you're meeting somebody's need. You're, you're getting yeah. them something that they already have signaled that they want, need, or desire. So that, then all you're doing is like the objections start falling away, right? Because it's not really about price or any of these things. It's about the value and need and you know, it usually gets becomes a larger sale, a better relationship, more consistency. It's, I mean, it's just a really powerful concept that, uh, you know, again, another Dave monologue there. But, you know, it, I wanted to highlight that because I think it's super important and super valuable to people. Well, you're also ex showcasing a number of different things to your customers. Um, you're showcasing customer care. You're, you're showcasing uh, your attention to their needs. You're showcasing how you can think outside the box of doing something that's really fresh. Um, who doesn't want somebody on their team who's going to help them see things differently, you know, and bring that really important catalyst uh, to their business solutions. Uh, you are demonstrating, um, you know, in a way, I mean, with the, the whole Play-Doh, you're really demonstrating credibility and confidence because you're showing them, um, you know, how you're going, because, you know, you're making the connection, even with the water, you can make that connection of how this is, once again, it's being custom configured, you know, for their, your product or service is being custom configured for their world so that they can then support you know, their specific needs and requirements. So all of it um, goes down to this deeper level um, of establishing your worthy intent with the customer that um, you're there for them. You're not there for you. You did check your ego at the door. Okay. Yeah. You're there for well, them. Let me ask you this then, because this this checking the ego and you're there for them and um, all, you know, all these like really cool things you've been talking about here. It raises the question to me of prospecting, right? Because let's be honest, most of the time salespeople want to know about one of two things, how to open relationships and how to close them. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, there's I, a whole I'm, bunch of mayonnaise in between that sandwich. So you better get oh, on that. <laughs> absolutely. But 
Lynn, if you're um, if you're anything like me, those are the only two questions I ever get about uh, sales because everybody feels like they manage the middle of the sales process pretty well. <laughs> but in in the current environment, like you know, what is like a good way to either a reset your prospecting or b manage the prospecting um, and connection process? Because at least from what I have learned over the last you know fifteen months, year and a half. Um, the nature of prospecting has changed, right? Because, you know, maybe you would uh, visit people in their offices or you'd call them in their offices or you'd, you know, do your direct mail campaign to their offices. Whatever you do might be more office-centric. Um, you know, that's changed. Uh, the nature of people's wants, needs, and desires has changed. Um, you know, probably the circumstances of people's lives have changed. I mean, a lot of change when you know, so how, what kind of advice or what kind of guidance or, or even what, what are some of the things you're doing around prospecting now that either are the same or different or, you know, that you've kind of rethought now due to the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is about prospecting is an inbound prospect is far more valuable to you than any kind of outbound uh, because an inbound, they have already, um, they've already uh, made that first step of inviting you in. Uh, I mean, because they're going, they're coming to you. And the best way to do that is by delivering value. I mean, period. So where they choose to come in. And so there's a lot of different techniques that I recommend. I mean, there's, and everyone is different, once again, based on your business model um, and what you have in place. But one great way to do that is to be on podcasts just like this. I use podcasting. I'm a guest on podcasts every week. And um, I'm not there to hawk my sales or services. I'm there to provide value and deliver a wow to the audience that they can take something away. And I hope by doing that today that you can start applying right now, that you can get off the pot after listening, going, oh, you can stop it in the middle going, I'm writing this down because we need to do this, right? And so, but because I am doing that, I'm speaking to someone very intimately right into their ear, Okay. Normally, people listen to podcasts as a solitary activity. You know, they're walking the dog, they're jogging, they're, you know, for me, I sometimes I'm doing meal prep, you know, commuting when we're back to commuting for those of us who have, um, even if it's commuting to the grocery store, whatever it is. Um, so you're, you're speaking to them in that very intimate setting, and they're getting to know who you are. You are establishing that like, know, and trust factor. Um, so that they can say, you know, I could totally talk, have a conversation with this person. I could have a beer with this person, you know? And so that's a really important thing. And you're delivering value. That's what I, the point is that you have some kind of information, some knowledge, some tips, some idea that they can act on immediately. Okay. Not some kind of pie in the sky, you know, 35 steps from now, but something they can do right now today. And so when you, and then of course you want to create a lead magnet that they can go to, that they can come inbound so that they can come to you and then they, you know, find out more, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that is one of the, it's a really effective ways for inbound marketing. Uh, we get conversions every single week. Um, uh, and I don't do any social um, media ads, none. You know, so uh, we are active on social media, but it's through the podcasts that people hear and they're interested. And so and they find us. Yeah. No. And it's interesting the way you explained it, because you talked about the podcast. And this part of the reason that I or one of the nice things I found about doing a podcast is that people do feel like they know me. They do. You know, they have a better connection with me. Um, they do, you know, they, 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 they seem to like me now. They, gosh darn it, they like me. Um, but, you know, I want to help the people who listen to this primarily because they're going to be like, well, I, I don't know if I can use this. And I'll be like, actually, you can use this, right? And it may not be on a macro or a big level like Len and I might use it, but you could do it just the same way because one of the best uh, sports ticket salespeople I know, um, she's moved on and now she does um, sports photography, but she was great. Um, she kept her own email list. Right. And she would like do a lot of speaking appearances and she would do um, 
she might not have been able to do podcasts, but she would do a lot of stuff where she had a chance to engage and people would hear her. And she built up a, an email list. And sometimes the email she would blast out would just be as simple as like, hey, I've got these uh, tickets just opened up today um, for something. And that would be valuable because people might not know that something was going on. Event discovery is typically one of the biggest obstacles to people going to things. Um, you know, so if you're on the other end of this, like think of move beyond the podcast and think about how you can use the idea, right? Maybe you speak at more local events and you talk about instead of like, oh, we got these packages. You talk about like, going, look, here's what's awesome about what we're doing this year, right? Is we created this new section. Like I just was at the Nats Park at Nats Park, and right. So we've got this great section in the 200 level, and you're going to be able to do X, Y, and Z there. Um, so you know, you, if you don't feel comfortable like being in a big group, there's couches and chairs. There's lots of room to be distanced and still be able to get a good view of the ballpark grab yourself a beer and something to eat right you know you, you talk about things that are relevant to the audience um, that'll make it meaningful for them because i'm doing a survey now with people and, and those concerns about covid are still relevant they still matter um, you know connecting with people in the right way still matters all of this stuff so what lynn is telling you absolutely applies right it, it's just you're going to have to be creative with it which i think is probably lynn's point is like there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to sales which is probably if you my opinion as well or am i wrong yeah did i miss something <laughs> yeah and i want to what did i sum it up <laughs> with the podcast when you get into a routine um i mean we actually have a complete process map for the before and after for me and my team everyone who's involved and touches it it's three hours of total work not three hours per team member, it's three hours total. And so, and the dividends that that pays off. When you're talking to me, it's longer than three hours, Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bulk of the time is definitely spent for me being on the show, all right? But when you really look at bookending and you create a process and you really have all the different steps nailed down, mm -hmm. um, then it's just a bing, bang, boom, you know, I, and it, you just go through it. And the biggest part of your time, of course, is actually being on the show. Uh, but um, maybe uh, addressing some kind of technical glitch on the show, you know, before. Yeah, that would be know. me. That would yeah, be, no, no, no. You know me. Uh, that was me actually a few days ago. So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like when you go through your customer journey and you start to map that and you start to figure out how you can make those connections, those real emotional connections with your customers, um, you have to look at what's the time and resources that are required. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, oh, wouldn't it be cool? You know, let's spend a hundred thousand dollars on Google ads and maybe we'll get so many clicks, you know, mm -hmm. really? Okay. Really? Um, so <laughs> I just want to say there's Is that the best you got, right? Google yeah, clicks? Yeah. And not I don't want to diss Google, please. Um, so as a you know, I'm telling you my Google searches every day for things. But the key thing is that you wanna create a way that you can really connect and touch with um, the different people and uh, with your customers and your core, you know, your core market. And so it's a very effective way to do that. And it's not necessarily for you. Um, but that's one of the beautiful things about creating that customer journey map is investing that time and energy so you can figure those things out. And where can you, instead of making this huge, giant process, you know, um, how can we make it a better, better process, make it work uh, more effectively and efficiently um, and deliver what your customers need. And when you do that, you shorten your sales cycle. And the close is easy. It's just like, do you want to get started today or do you want to get started next month on, you know, Monday, you know, whatever the July is the mm -hmm. 5th, you know, well, yeah. some people may have that as a holiday. So let's go with July 12th. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like at this point, that is basically the sales, the, the closing question is like, going, well, I'm kind of jammed up this week. Would you like to start next week? <laughs> Is that fine? Um, you know, or I can start like I can start today. It does, you know, if, if if that's what works for you, right? I mean, it's like seriously that simple. Um, you know, and, and so the closing thing should become naturally if you have done three things, right? Which is like you've been thoughtful at the start, and like you understand the. T at least this is me, and Lynn's going to tell me I'm wrong in a second, but that's fine. We, we have that kind of relationship. <laughs> uh, if you've been thoughtful at the at the start, so mapping out how you're going to add value throughout the process and what the touch points look like. Um, if you haven't been a numpty throughout the sales process by being, a, you know, acting like a knucklehead and, you know, just focused on adding value and creating value so that like you can move 
the things forward, right? The next logical step in the sales process. And then you just don't screw it up at the end, right? By like trying to be like kind of fancy and stupid with the close process. I mean, that, that like it's not, I mean, it's, it's not that easy, but it's not that hard either. It's like a lot less complex, right? Most of the sales today, and again, this is where Len's going to, throw something through the screen at me is about enabling people to buy. Like once they've seen the value, it's just getting out of the way a lot, at least to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you come down like to that decision-making process, one of the most common mistakes is people making it overly complicated. You got to keep everything into three, no matter how complex your program or service is, you got to have only three choices. And then those three choices can't have three choices. It's you got to make it a, B or C Mm -hmm. period. Good, be- I call it good, better, best, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that is really that bandwidth. Um, and, it's, and it's just like, this is what, choo, choo, choo. and that there's certain things that are very distinctive within the good, better, best of, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, I want this, you know? Sort of like when you go out to buy a car, you know, you know what's the good, better, best, you mm-hmm. know? So do I want um, the, uh, you know, uh, do I need the, the towing package, you know? Mm-hmm. For what I'm doing, um, do I, you know, want all the the luxury, the 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 leather and the skylights and you know, I know heated seats, air conditioned seats, you know, or am I really looking for the, you know, the reliability and um, the safety for my family, you know? So mm-hmm. I mean, not that there's they're not, you know, and they all stack, right? So when you're mm-hmm. at the best, you've you've already gotten the good and you got the better and mm-hmm. now you got the best, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. that you stacked that and. That is how, and, and you do that by really talking to the customer and understanding what's going on with the customer so that they can make the decision. And then it's, they're just threatening to write a check, you know, and you just take it. Well, and, and I'm sure like uh, I'll get emails about this thing too. And, and what I, the three thing is how I do it as well. In most cases, because sometimes it really is just one because like they've already gone like, well, well what do I do? And I go, and I just, yeah, go, well, hey, you tell them you what sit. they do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but in the three things, it becomes, there's this, uh, this thing that people think um, customers want tons and tons of choices. They don't. Uh, that's a myth. There's a, the, there's a book called the paradox of choice. And it talks about the more choices you give people, the more likely it is they'll just say no. So three though, seems to be a magic number psychologically. And three yep. gives people the opportunity to go instead of like, well, do I work with Dave and Lynn or do I not? Right. Instead it goes, well, how do I work with Dave and Lynn? And I, and I don't know the science behind it cause I'm not that smart, but what I do know is that it works. <laughs> and, and you know, so it, it's true. And, and that's why you spend a lot of time early on, understanding what somebody wants and needs so you can whittle it down to those choices like you're a guide right you are the teacher showing them how to engage with you and you give them the choices right three choices like in bad you know good better best is a great way to think about it it's very valuable because people just want to feel comfortable that the choice they make is good not that they yeah. have all these choices right because we're overwhelmed with choice and it may it yeah. gives us paralysis you know decision decision paralysis it happens it's real it's true it's what yeah decision fatigue yeah Yeah. i you know that is you have got to take that into account throughout your sales process to make sure that you are not um creating a decision fatigue situation because you will lose the sale you can lose the the customers just they just i don't need to deal with this anymore you know that includes Mm -hmm. you know your cadence um, how um, you're contacting them, you know, how you're following up um, and for God's sakes, follow up, excuse me. But when you do not cheesy, you thought, don't, don't. Oh, no, no, please don't just, Oh, Hey Dave, I'm calling to follow up and see how we're going. And if you're ready to move forward with that sale, click. Oh my yeah. God, don't do that. Please yeah. stop. Um, <laughs> if any of you are still doing it, um, you know, it's like, what's the value? You know, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I am so excited. I was just on this phenomenal podcast with Dave and we got to talking about the customer journey and the Sammy process. And, I, you know, I have to say that if you could use this tip on how to really dive in and look at what's going on in those four phases in your organization, I think it's really going to help you. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and send you an email. It's going to have the link. It's a real quick listen. Oh, uh, by the way, this is Lynn. Lynn at Future Forward Sales. You can reach me at, okay, so you see, 
excitement, passion. Right. You're giving the them value. Section and right then you slow, the down, minute part. you slow yeah. down at the end. Repeat who you are, your number. Say it so they can get it on the first try, okay? Do not do that. Oh, this is Lynn. I got blah, 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 blah. Where they have to listen to the message nine times and they've given up after two, you know, and they deleted mm -hmm. it, okay? Mm -hmm. So lead with value. Have a nugget. What is it? And I just did that on the fly, so it wasn't thought out. What are you, what is the value that you're going to offer? So I hit my Mac. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm really excited about this stuff, you know. Well, and, you also see me making faces at you, so it's totally end. fun. Be fast, be fast. They don't have time to listen to a long, drawn-out voicemail. God, stop doing that. Uh, use LinkedIn voicemail, you know, to give them that message. So few people use it, and it's really powerful, you know. I, we just did this. Check it out. This is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Add value you know? every touch of the way. Yeah. So, Lynn, I'm assuming now that, like, because you're an expert podcaster, that um, people are going to want to connect with you some more. Where can they find you on this internet thing? Oops. I just did something. I did this technical glitch. I, I got all worked up. And I broke you. It was good. That was me. It was me. I get, I, I, I'm sort of like an Italian. I wave my arms a lot, you know, not that I want to uh, stereotype Italians, but you know what I mean? I just do the hand waving, a lot of hand waving. Yes. <laughs> There's usually 15 or uh, to 1500 to 2000 steps in any podcast uh, uh, discussion because I'm waving my arms so frantically when I'm making a point. So it's, you don't have to apologize at all, but where did, where can people find you on the internet? Ah, yes. Well, you can find me at futureforwardsales.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Lynn Whitbeck. And if you do go to our website at futureforwardsales.com, if you go slash grow, you can have access to a four-part masterclass on how to use guest podcasting to grow your business. And we've got a whole bunch of resources on that page. So, you know, check it out. Yeah, definitely check out the article about how Lynn uses the podcast because I, I discovered that. And it was really cool um, because I found out that, like, uh, you know, a couple things that I can learn. And it, it's really great. So, Lynn, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. This has been a lot of fun. Let me know what you thought about my conversation with Lynn by sending me an email. It is my name, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. Check out my brand new website at DaveWakeman.com. Let me know what you think. And take me up on that 30 days of free email coaching offer by sending me an email, daveatdavewakeman.com. Make sure you get the Talking Tickets newsletter. You can get that by sending me an email or go to the talkingtickets.substack.com website link and sign up today. Each week, Friday, comes out five stories, some analysis, some action items. It's great. All right. Like I said at the start, it has an NPS score of 67, which is slightly behind the Eventelect 77. So make sure you pick up the Eventelect uh, and Dave Wakeman NPS worksheet that we put together to help you understand what the net promoter score is, why it's valuable, how to put it in context, and how to do a survey on your very own. It's great. It's free. Send me an email, dave at davewakeman.com. Check out my friends at Booking Protect, as I've told you many, many times now. Since the pandemic began uh, and tickets have gone back on sale, the uptake on refund protection is twice what it was before the pandemic. This is a clear indicator that people are looking for the peace of mind and the security that having refund protection provides them. It's simple, it's easy, and Booking Protects customer services top class, best in the, you know, among the best in the world. Check them out at bookingprotect.com, find out how you can offer refund protection to your customers and how you can create a new revenue stream for your organization. Uh, make sure you check out my friends at Activity Stream in the new Activity, or I'm sorry, Activate Email Marketing Program. Uh, email is going to be a great tool to re-engage your audience. And if you haven't been staying in touch with people before the pandemic, now is the time. If it was back when the pandemic started, it was the best time, but now is the next best time. Uh, use the Activity activity stream tool to help you understand how to re-engage with your customers how to better market to them now and how to create those magic moments once again so check them out activitystream.com as always i want to thank you so much for being here uh if you find the podcast valuable rate and review it on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast share an episode subscribe you know do all this up stuff i mean it makes a world of difference to me 
it's um, great to know that people are still paying attention, still listening, still finding value from the podcast. You know, and like I've been saying for over a year now, if you need somebody to talk to, let me know. I'm happy to chat to you. Um, you know, just send me a note. Um, I don't want people to go through this thing alone. Okay. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for being here. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Take it easy. Bye-bye.